Broadcasting live from an airstream somewhere in Tornado Alley, bringing you the people, places, and stories from the Panhandle to the Red River. This is your Only in Oklahoma show. And welcome to the show. Today we're discussing the Hebner Runestone in Hebner, Oklahoma, and later on in the show, we're going to be talking about letting it ride. By that I mean sports betting. I'm Brett. And I am Harley. By the way, that's a good movie. That's Nobody talks about that movie Let It Ride with uh, Richard Dreyfuss very much. I don't he, remember it. Yeah, right he, he was into sports betting. And the, the and matter of fact, Robbie Coltrane, you know, peace, rest in peace, Robbie Coltrane. He was one of the guys at the betting, at the betting window. But the, the whole movie basically revolves around Richard Dreyfuss trying to get back up. Hmm. so registering in my head this is back when horse there was a time when horse races that was a big deal yeah it's not obviously it's kind of taking a backseat to you know one in three casinos but it took place in and around a a, a horse track so yeah if you if you get a chance i don't know if it's on tubi or not (laughs) um you need to look you need to watch let it ride well for a sure bet God, you were going to do it. If you're looking for a unique, historic glimpse into some really interesting Oklahoma history, combined with really out-of-this-world scenic nature, I cannot make a better recommendation than the Hebner Runestone Park in Hebner, Oklahoma. You know, been spending a lot of time in LaFleur County here as of late, have we not? But, you know, I think one of the coolest things that doesn't get near enough attention in the mainstream. You know, when you start talking runestones, it, it it's a, a very niche. It is. It's a very niche type of attraction. This but, park, though, is cool. Yeah, it's, it's cool. It's a 55-acre park, opened in 1970. The park is centered around a Swedish-inscribed runestone found in the 1920s. The park began, This is it's got a really cool origin story. So, Gloria Farley, a local Hebner girl, first saw the stone in the 1920s. She left, went on with her life. She returned in the 50s and dedicated the rest of her life to researching this stone. She eventually got enough support from local members of government to get the park recognized as a state park in 1970, and the park was run as a state park between 1970 and 2011, and then 2011 was taken over by the city of Hebner. And I think herein lies the problem. Okay. Can we can we cast a little bit of shade on? I think I would almost say that it's it's been mismanaged. I don't know if it's been mismanaged. I think it's one of those things where it's one of the smaller parks, but it's one of the prom- smaller state parks. Yeah, I'm with you, but it's a prominent artifact. It is, but it's also and we'll we'll get to That's fine. some of the the uh, woo? Not uh, like shade. Like, we'll get to some of the, the reasons that maybe it's no longer as prominent as it used to be, okay. but we'll talk That's about fine. that in a bit. When this thing was found, they thought it, originally they thought it was like a boundary market marker or a land claim, mm-hmm. but it turns out there are eight runes carved into a big-ass rock. Like it's like 20-foot yeah. long, 12-foot high, big, big rock. And I'm a ding-dong. We were before... Before we started the show, I was like, I'm surprised someone hasn't tried to steal it. You're like, dude, this thing is huge. <laughs> I'm an idiot. 
there is some oral history that says the runestones were actually discovered in the 1830s by a Choctaw hunting party. Um, again, we'll talk about that a little bit more. But several ideas have been proposed to explain the origin of the inscriptions. Some claim that the runes document Viking exploration of southeastern Oklahoma in about 1000 AD, and others suggest the runes were carved as early as the 1700s. And then there are some others that claim that it was probably closer to the 1930s. Here's my thing about the Viking thing. I mean, it's and it sounds great in theory. We're a long ways inland. You know what I mean? Yes. And we're a little. Even if you're their nearest port would be the Gulf of Mexico. That's a long way off course. You know what I mean? If, if we're Scandinavia, I mean, it's that's a long way around. It it is. But again, it's it's a theory, and there are some opposing views that we hmm. will get to. Okay. So most of the rune. So if we actually talk about the stone, yeah. most of the rune characters belong to something referred to as the Elder Futhark, uh, Futhark, which is the old version of Viking. Okay. Runes, and then there's another version, the younger version of that, and the transcription is generally thought to read either Gnome Valley. Or Gloam's Valley. Oh, a little depend- bit more of a personal touch there, right? So either either gnomes lived in the valley, which is a possibility. It's got a lot of wildlife, so there's there's always a possibility that gnomes are the actual answer. You know what I'm saying? I I do. I'm you a know huge them. fan. You know them, gnome saying? I absolutely 100 percent understand. You're exactly. a big fan of gnomes. Yes. Go ahead. <laughs> I th- I think that we should consider renaming the state Nome, Oklahoma. Nome, Oklahoma. But according to archaeologist Ken Fetter, he says that unlike the situation in eastern Canada, where evidence has been found that proves the Norse presence, there's nothing similar found anywhere near Hebner or even in the Midwestern United States. Again, I think it's the the same. The issue is the same. Uh, look at uh, Canada. It's closer to what? Greenland? Yeah. So, I mean, it makes sense. There's just, there's nothing that leads me to believe that they'd be, but what, it's hard to, it's really hard to get me to buy a whole lot of theories. I mean, it, it, it the, the inscriptions look Viking. I mean, it is, you know what I'm saying? It, my, I have no experience in, in Viking mythology, but I can't see where, where else it would come from. So there was an archaeologist named Lyle Thompson from the University of Leicester. He examined the runestone and he made several notes. He said there's no cultural evidence of Vikings in or near the region. No Old Norse approach to the translation fits this stone. So, again, them using different letters mm-hmm. means that there's not an overall language that fits exactly. So you have to switch back and forth for it to, to have a translation. So even if it was from the 1950s or even even a 20s little, would, it would have been 1920s, what would be the point to throw? I mean, to but you know, it's this isn't the first time we've seen things that are similar. You know, the the Georgia Guidestones. We've seen uh, those monoliths a few years ago that just appeared, and no one's claiming any responsibility for those. It's definitely a fun story. It you is, could, a, you it could, is could, a fun story. Yeah, and I think the park stands on its own. Which we'll talk about some of the features of the park. But I think the park stands on its own. But it is still cool. He 
actually pointed out, though, that there was a Scandinavian presence in the nearby town of Hebner in the early 1900s. So he thinks okay. that maybe that's where it comes from. Sure. He says, bearing any new evidence, though, the stone is best considered a modern creation. So it's sandstone, which is kind of, it's it's a native stone. You know, it's not like we can't explain where it came from. We've tested it. It's not from it. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. not that, it doesn't fit your ancient alien, you know, worksheet. Right. I, I mean, so we can kind of pinpoint yet that it was probably, at least we know it was from here. No, we do, and there there are some other, there have been some other scientists. There was a, a Henrik Williams, a Nordic language professor who visited Oklahoma in 2015. He said that it's one of the top 20 that he's seen in the world as far as sheer size and the impre- impressive nature of it. But he says more than likely it was a 19th century creation, and he thinks there's maybe a 20% probability that it's sta- that it's from the 10th or 11th century. Well, and there's so much, there's so much new technology. I bet you could probably, uh, find out from chat GPT, whether or not it's real, or at least it could write the story about the rune stone from Hebner. But it, it did really, it has had a huge impact on the area. Yeah. Uh, in 1991, Carl Albert state college in nearby Poto changed their mascot to a Viking in the stone's honor. There have been other stones found in Oklahoma. So there's the Poto Stone that was found by schoolboys in 1967. It's roughly the size of a book. Okay. Yeah. And um, it's it's got an um, it's got a Viking inscription on it. There are a couple other stones, including the Shawnee Stone, which was found by three kids in 1969. But overall, it's interesting. Oh yeah, definitely. It's a great story. Again, like I said, and the fact that they're there's not a lot of evidence to back it up one way or the other is disappointing. Yeah. But I promise you, visiting the Hebner Runestone Park, seeing this big stone, dude, it it has a weight of its own. Right. Just being there in front of it, like it's just this huge stone with old carvings on it. And whether those carvings are only a little over 100 years old or whether they're five or 600 years old, it's cool. Yeah, and again, we, we've always talked about destinations. Sometimes it's a spot on the road, and then sometimes it's a, it's a runestone. It's, it's, a, it's a cool experience. It really is. So as far as the park itself, though, several thousand people visit this park every month. Yeah. The stone itself is down in a valley, and it's not a far walk if you go straight from the guest center to the stone. It's not very far you could probably hit a golf ball from the the door of the visitor center mm-hmm. to the stone. Yeah. But it's probably 120 foot down. Wow. Like you have to walk on these stone steps that are cut into the to the rock and it'll wear you out. Like be prepared, you're walking straight down and straight up about a billion steps. Gee whiz. They've got group shelters for picnics. They've got bathrooms. They've got an amphitheater. They've got campsites. Yeah. More than two miles of trails. Connor took off on his own when we got there, and he was gone for an hour before he made it to the stone. Like really? he was just walking. Just walking around. On the, the trails through the woods. Just freestyling it. Yeah. Um, but it's a gorgeous scenic overlook. You can actually see the city of Hebner from the top of the, top of the hill. It's really pretty. They've got educational programs about the runestone. 
as far as wildlife goes, talking woodpeckers, bald eagles, hawks, owls, roadrunners, deer, chipmunks, squirrels, there's a family of vultures, and apparently there are some wild cats that keep the rodents in Keep check. them in check. Yeah. <laughs> and they will keep you in check as well, uh, depending on what time of day it is. <laughs> Not 100% sure what the status is on the Hebner Runestone Viking Festival. They did it regularly up until the coronavirus. Oh, that. That. I'm not 100% sure that's fully back up and running. So if you're interested in finding out about that, I would definitely reach out to them directly. This is a 501c3 now. So it is a charitable charitable organization. organization. It's run on donations. So if you're interested in donating, we'll put a link in the show notes. But yeah, if you want more information about the Hoover about the Hebner Runestone Park, check out their website, HebnerRunestonePark.com. Well, like I said earlier in the show, we're going to let it ride next. I'm Raven Rollins, and this is my Southern True Crime podcast where I discuss cases from my former hometown. Ada, Oklahoma paints itself as an average community, but its history of murder and corruption runs deeper than any story has ever told. You'll hear plenty of special guests, including authors and experts in their fields, who visit with me on each episode, as well as other cases in the southern states. With notorious and unknown cases alike, every victim sees the light on my show. This is Sirens, a true crime podcast. Have you seen um, Stakeout? Yeah. You, you mean Stakeout Part 2? What about Bob? Yes. I'm, I'm naming off. I'm trying to name off all these Richard Dreyfuss movies. I just the one that the, the Close Encounters right, of Third County. Have you seen? If you're yes, familiar with that one, <laughs> I I just cannot for the life of me picture. The, it's just not ringing a bell. I probably have seen it, but it's just not clicking. But the new story for today: yeah. there is a bill legalizing sports betting in Oklahoma. It just passed the House. Really, new story by Carolyn <clears throat> Caroline Sellers from KFOR. Well, we can't get recreational weed, but now we can bet on our favorite sports team. I mean, it's... Well, not yet. Not yet. House Bill 1027 that was authored by Ken Luttrell and Bill Coleman will legalize sports betting and allow tribes who are interested to offer sports betting if it passes the state Senate and then gets signed by Mr. Kevin Stitt. Here's how it will... in, In short, why it will pass... Because it's not grass. I mean, seriously. <laughs> we're not afraid to have some gambling. Well, we're not. Kevin Stitt has expressed his support for the, the sports betting and its potential to maximize revenue for the state. He said, and I quote, let me be clear, I support sports betting in Oklahoma, provided that it's fair, transparent, and the state can maximize revenue potential to invest in top priorities like education. Okay, I'm... I don't know that I'm for or against sports. But I don't really care, I think. I don't care. But either. I do have a problem with that statement. What? Just in general. Yeah. Invest in our top priorities like education. Why is it that every politician has to go, what about the children? Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. That's the that's the freaking linchpin. That's the, the, the emotional connective tissue that gets you to go, it's about the kids, isn't it? It's the same thing they did with the lottery. You know, it's like they didn't do that with they didn't do that with recreational marijuana. 
what about the kids? No, they didn't. <laughs> they said, kids, drugs are bad. That's what they said. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, again, it doesn't affect me either way. I've, I've often wished I would have bet $100 on somebody to take it all the way to the the end and I've been a millionaire, but it's not, I'm not going to go, Ooh, that's something I'm like, cause there are ways to do sports betting now, but just it's just never been a fan of it. Yeah. I'm, you know, I, there are too many X's and O's for me. There's too many X's and O's. I just want to put my money in and go ding, 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 ding. I, I mean, feel that's like just if, you're, if you're not in the mafia, then you're not going to win long term in sports betting. When I think of sports betting, I think of Jimmy the Greek. I think of, hey, you know, you got to pay the bookie. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're, they come after you. you. Where's the money at, huh? You know what I mean? I, I, that's what I think of, naturally. But, hey, if I'd, it's for the children. Then, then they it, can break your legs? Then, my, I have children that do it, break my legs financially now. <laughs> I can't support anyone else. <laughs> I can't. And I can't rely on the, the, the freaking uh, Dallas Cowboys to cover. I just can't. But anyway, what what's your thoughts? Are you are you all in? I had to. I didn't. I know it's not a sports betting thing, but <laughs> what's the what's the over under with you? Let us know. Anyway, it's the only way. To, oh, only way. It's the only you know case show. News shows every week. I'm Brett and I'm Harley, and we're out of here. Peace. So funny story, we were at Sherry's, we go there once a week, well, probably not so much anymore, but um, I'm sitting there and the waitress comes up and she goes, well, y'all are the owners of dead people stuff? I said, no. She goes, you sure little, you sure look like him. It's like, no. That's where I, and I was telling Terry, I was like, we did a show about dead people stuff. That's weird that they would bring it up like that too, yeah. like that time frame. But the, this, but it's funny, I don't think I Came out and just said directly no. So there's these people across from us, and uh, we have an order of onion rings coming. They've got an order of onion rings coming, dude. I'm talking right now. Sherry's onion rings are off the charts. A half. They're this. They're as big around as our our pop screen. Seriously, a half an order is four. Anyway, Tara gets onion rings. I didn't get them. So the people across from us got them. And I'm sitting there going, I said to Terry, because I'm probably on the spectrum. I'm watching everything that's happening y'all, at all times. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing the food in the window up there. I go, there's our onion rings. And she goes, oh, those, those probably aren't our onion rings because they ordered some first. So fast forward, here comes our, and I'm like, well, I, that's probably our burger. I see some burgers up there. Maybe those are our burgers. I don't know. And she goes, no, I think it's theirs. Okay, fine. So here comes the food. Here comes the onion rings. And she's, you know, I'm kind of watching it happen. And then she comes our way, puts it all down. And I didn't think anything about the people over here not getting their onion rings. All of a sudden, the lady is like, um, she was telling the, the waitress was like, uh, your food's on the way out. She goes, well, where's our onion rings? And Tara kind of looked at me, and I looked at her as I took one of the freaking onion rings. I felt bad, but then I was like, but then I started playing my head. Maybe she really thinks we're the owners of dead people's stuff. And she gave us preferential treatment because that lady 
You've been in Sherry's. From here to me to the wall, that lady over here was doing the just staring. At I've never been more like, you should, dude, you should have turned your head away from her and then turned back with onion ring eyes. <laughs> yeah. That would have been perfect. Dude, I didn't even think about it. Just have amber fill in. That's me. exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> uh, Whoa. Because a lot of people think this is my normal voice. It's not, is it? It's not. You're not that far off. You don't play into it as much as you think you do. I thought I, I mean, I feel like I lean into it pretty hard, but. No, you do. You lean into it for <clears throat> the first three seconds of the show. Okay. Well, my voice but is usually relatively. Down here. No, yeah. it's not. You're relatively conversational on our show, which is fine. Relatively. I don't do what? that. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Nah. nah, dude, I'm uh, good. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had yeah. The, yeah, macaroni. You're like, I'm not talking about macaroni. I'm talking about the Civil War. <laughs> yeah, but that's where macaroni was invented. I'm talking about Captain Macaroni. <laughs> Colonel. Lu- Cor- Lieutenant, Cor- <laughs> Lieutenant Governor Macaroni. <laughs> Colonel Corns. God. Colonel Sweet Corn uh, Gingerbread. You know, macaroni is Oklahoma State bird. Like, what? Well, it's spelt like heaven to me. Heaven. Er. And welcome to the show. <laughs> Three, two, one. And welcome to the show. Today we're discussing today. I'm just going to grow with it. I'm just going with it today. 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 Okay. Three, two, one. <laughs>